Hi, everybody. This is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend, and you're listening to the Book in the Territory Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast. This is the artist formerly known as Daryl Van Horn, James Mitchell, the Sinister Minister, and I'm here to let you know I would rather slam my cock in a car door than to miss the dulcet tones of Hard Body Harper, my illegitimate son on Booking the Territory podcast. Who <laughs> messy this is professional wrestler Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wicker Man. Tell my people, my brothers and sisters, don't you dare, don't you dare miss Booking the Territory. Oh, yeah. This is a one man gang. You're listening to Booking the Territory Pro Wrestling Podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to this week's episode of Booking Territory, the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast, where today I'm not sitting here with Hard Body Harper, nor am I sitting here with Doc Turner. Uh, Harper had some work conflicts and life conflicts and woman conflicts, and I'll leave the rest up to your imagination. And Doc... He had a hangnail and couldn't make it this week, and we're actually recording a few days after we normally record, so it has thrown our schedules completely off. This is the challenge that Doc was talking about last week when he said, sometimes we're, you're lucky to get what you get, but no, in all seriousness, I've got Iceman Silva here who is pitch, pinch hitting for Doc and Harper this week. Um, what's up, Silva? How you doing, man? Hey, what's up, uh Mike, what's up to the Book in the Territory family? And I want to shout out to Martin and Sparks for their new program. And I was hoping Doc could get it out of here so he can cry about, <laughs> <laughs> oh, nothing good. what's going on here, Mike? You just letting anybody in. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to those good brothers and everybody else in the Book in the Territory family. I mean, my man, uh, Michael Angel, cool, cool, cool dude out there. Jesus, cool dude. All the, all the dudes, real good dudes. Your, your boy, Duck, Ducky. Ducky's a hilarious dude. So, yeah, shout out to the family out there. Yeah, uh, I figured Doc's panties would get into a bunch with that. But, you know, um, it's not like he was going to watch. It's not like he was going to watch NWA Power and review it. Therefore... You know, I mean, here's the thing, man. When when anybody is on uh, quote unquote BTT airwaves, if you want to call it that, even though it's a podcast, uh, they're they're I like, heavily. I like that. The BTT airwaves. W B T T. They are heavily heavily uh, vetted, except for Half Pint. No need to vet him. He's kind of short, so you just you know you just let him do his thing. But uh, in a on a serious note, Sparks has been on with you and I a bunch of times. Right. He's been on numerous right. live streams. He's got a passion for NWA power. It's 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 what he watches. It what it's what he enjoys. And one of the things you look for with uh, any type of uh, show, you want somebody with passion because exactly. you know, cutting podcasts after a while, it, it can get monotonous and it can get tiresome and it takes commitment and if you don't have passion, you're just not going to keep up with it. So with that said, yes, 
I'd like to welcome Sparks and uh, Old Half Pint to the BTT Airwaves in their show, their NWA Power Show on the Patreon feed. Uh, if you're not a Patreon member, just so you know, they're not doing a weekly show. Uh, it's probably going to average about a, a monthly show, and it's going to be covering uh, the bigger events uh, that happen with NWA Power or bigger stories that happen with NWA Power. They're not going to go line item by line item with the show, but... Uh, I thought they did a really good job on the first show, on the pilot episode, and we'll continue on. And for anybody out there who's not a patron, you can hear the world-class shows, that NWA Power Show. You can hear all, all of our clashes and pay-per-views at tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. That's tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. The ECW shows are up as well with Mike Pru and JV. Give it all a listen at tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. Before we get too much further into the episode, I do need to mention a couple of things real quick before we, uh, uh, Silva and I get into some shenanigans. Uh, shout out to Disrespectfully Classy Marky Blassie, Mike Childry, Jeremy Priest, Joe Ice for their generous patronage each and every month. And then we had some people bump up to the annual Hall of Fame Patreon tier, uh, new patrons and whatnot this week. So I want to give them a quick mention. Jeremy Bryant, new annual BTT Hall of Fame patron. Jeremy's been a patron for a long time. Dan Peterman, thank you, new BTT Hall of Fame Patreon member. Kevin Nall, returning patron. Thank you, Kevin, for signing back up. Troy Dean, I believe you're a returning patron as well, so thank you very much. And then Roll Tide Raiders, he bumped up. He is a Hall of Fame patron, but he bumped up his tier, so thank you, Roll Tide Raiders. On that note, Silva, I do have a new five-star review, but I want to throw it to you before I get long-winded and just start talking about other stuff. Uh, real, real quick, uh, the demise of AEW looks like it's on well on its way. I looked at the <laughs> ratings yesterday and I was laughing my ass off. M- motherfuckers keep making excuse after excuse. Oh, oh, the state of Texas didn't have any power, or or, or there was a special episode of South Park. Oh, Major League Baseball opening day. Get the fuck out of here! All right, all right. If you want to watch a product, if the product is hot, people will watch it. I remember, and you remember, doing the Monday Night Wars. Nitro and Raw went up against Monday Night Football, the number one rated show in the country. And week in and week week out, they still did monster numbers. If the product is hot, people will watch. Stop with the BS. And um, the WWE, the only thing I've been watching, looks like they're going to ruin it. The Hurt Business. <sighs> Yeah, Doc texted me. He said, um, "This is he ridiculous." Said they, he said that they yeah. broke him up, but I did. That's crazy. I haven't seen it in the last two to three weeks, and that's, I actually, that, that's that's I actually watched the Raw. Yeah, I actually that's, had watched Raw for a few weeks in a row, but I I didn't see the the the, the quote unquote breakup. But they said MVP said on Twitter they they weren't broke up. That he and Lashley are still the hurt business, and they can recruit others. So I, I don't I don't know that's what that a, means, but, but I have uh, I haven't been I, watching I, uh, it. Yeah, yeah. Well. They lost the tag team titles, which I saw was the beginning of the end. And then they interfered in a match where last year they didn't want them to interfere. And now they're gone. We're talking Shelton and um De- uh Cedric. And um damn Cedric, you, you could have better taste than that damn beast that you're married to. Anyway, <laughs> damn Silva, come on. I mean, she's the worst wrestler that ever lived. She's not attractive. What the come on, Cedric? Look at the way you look. Oh, maybe she gets his steroids for him. Anyway, back to Stop. what I was saying. Girl. Back to what I was saying. <laughs> to what I was saying. They're Girl. gone. And now, I love the Hurt Business because it was like a black full horseman. And now I'm hearing they're talking about King Corbin. Now it's going to be watered down. 
it only would have made sense if Lashley would have turned face and then feuded against him. I guess that's the way where they're going to take the bell off Lashley. Ugh. The one thing they had good going, and it's just thrown down the river. So fuck WWE, fuck AEW, long live the old school. <laughs> Yeah, that's why uh, we stopped covering the new stuff. Look, I'm not trying to. T- I won't take a dump on all the new stuff. I mean, there's 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 stuff that's mildly entertaining. Um, you gotta you gotta sift through it though. That's the challenge with uh, I think modern wrestling. And I'll kind of leave it at that. It, it, you know, I'm not the. I don't I don't want to be the the. You know, get off my lawn guy. It's just it's just you can't. You sit there and you watch all those hours and you find a couple of good things. And I think that's the best way to do it. I, I honestly, God feel that way. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say ring of honor. is the greatest promotion of all time, but if you listen or, or recent in recent times, but if you, if you watch that Jay Briscoe promo, we played on the show last week, that gives you a feel for like, you know, it still can be done the right way. And if you, when you listen to his promo, so that's a, that's an example I'll point to of modern wrestling that I, I enjoy. But anyway, on that note, I, I did have a new five-star review. Before I hit the five-star review, uh, uh, related to, to Silva's comment about uh, Cedric's wife. Son of a bitch! <laughs> Come on, Silva, grow up. <laughs> uh, or uh, maybe we can hit him with this one. Jesus! All right, so uh, we'll move on. Anyway, uh, one new five-star review on Podcast Attic uh, as, of, as of us recording this. And it is from C-H-U-C-H-024. It says, the most politically incorrect podcast out there, and damn proud of it. So thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And if you want to give us a five-star review and you're on Podcast Attic, you can do so there or on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts as well. And I will make sure to read your five-star review on air uh, that next week after I see it posted. It takes a few days, I think, for them to post. So a lot of times if you post it, it'll get read within two to three weeks. All right, Silva. Um... What else we gotta? What else we gotta talk about before we get into this week's episode of uh, Saturday Night? No, um, um, let's get straight. Oh, yeah, let's get. I, I'll save my comments for each each match and what was going on at the time while you go. So do what you got to do, Big Mike. All right, so I'm getting this video recorder going, and I don't know why it's taking forever to launch on my desktop. I swear, if this thing fails me in the middle of the show, Michael Angel's gonna be tweeting me and 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 Facebook paging and saying. Come on, producer, get with the program. So let me make sure <laughs> this thing's up and running. Uh, it looks like it is. There it is. All right. So, again, we're talking NWA Saturday night on TBS from December the 2nd, 1989. And um, the show starts, as I'm sharing my screen with Silva, and it tells us that this week's episode uh, is now joined in progress. Now, Silva is a baseball man, so we know December 2nd of 89 we do not have baseball mean, going on. No, 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 no. It's December second of eighty nine, so it has to be a Hawks game, or I don't, I don't know if they still had college football at the time on TBS. Had to be one or the other. It, it, it uh, it, it's not baseball. Baseball with the Braves back then. Baseball ended the last week of September because they didn't make the postseason until two years later in ninety one. Even if they made the postseason in ninety one, those were. games weren't on TBS. They were on, uh, either. E, I don't think ESPN, ESPN might have had a playoff package in '91. They, they would no back then. It would have been on. It would have been on CBS. CBS and CBS from '90 from the early '90s had the baseball package, and ESPN yep. had a baseball package. But I don't think they had any playoff games because yeah. you didn't have wild card back then. You just had 
the American League National League Championship Series and the World Series. So yep. a baseball on TBS would end the last week of September, no later than the first week of October. So uh, it had to have been Hawks basketball. Had to have been. It had to be Hawks. Also, also the TBS had the NBA package at that time, too. I don't know if they had Saturday night games, but they also had the 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 uh, the package in them. Um, I don't think the Goodwill games were going on in 1989. It's, it's one of those. It's got to be the Goodwill. One. Goodwill is in '90. I could tell you that because okay. I remember it. All um, right. All right. So it's, it's not definitely Goodwill. definitely not baseball, and it's definitely. I'm almost sure. I didn't research this, but I'm almost almost sure it's not college football unless they had a bowl game because college football ends right, right back then would end the week of Thanksgiving regular season. It would, you'd have those uh, Friday and Saturday games after Thanksgiving. I remember. I used to love yep. the Pitt versus Penn State games. Um, you had the USC versus UCLA games. Yeah. That was when college football was great with their scheduling. You, and you had, uh, was it Texas versus Texas A&M also? You'd have those three traditional games every year on Friday and Saturday, college football. Friday would be Pitt versus Penn State and Texas versus Texas A&M. And Saturday night would be the big USC versus UCLA annual game. They don't do that anymore, unfortunately. Yeah, so I'm I'm almost sure it's not college. But anyway, uh, they do join it in progress, which means that the episode uh, without commercials is about an hour. So I'm thinking they must have joined, you know, 20 minutes in or so uh, and whatnot. But yeah, anyway, we've got we've got a whole hour right of this show. Yeah, so we got an hour for so we, so we're missing what 20 to 25 minutes. I think so. If you take out commercials, yeah, we're missing 20, 25 minutes. So, but on that note, um, as uh, again, we, we're joining progress. Uh, Kevin Sullivan and Jim Ross were on commentary. Uh, with the first match, we go right to it. We got Ranger Ross. He's going to defeat Pat Rose. Norman the Lunatic, if you're watching our video version at tinyurl.com slash BTT, Norman the Lunatic is walking around the ring with a big teddy bear. Teddy Long comes out the ringside, and he starts trying to drag Norman back to the back. Norman pushes Teddy Long. Teddy jumps on Norman's back. Norman throws Teddy off. Teddy runs off. Norman now has the key. He's stolen the key from Teddy, and he has the teddy bear. This is so stupid. It is not funny. Sullivan and JR contemplate if this is now a permanent breakup of these two and in the meantime, Ranger Ross is going to hit his very weak combat kick in the ring to beat Pat Rose. Jesus help me, Silva. Between the combination of Ranger Rose, and this is no disrespect to uh, veteran Pat Rose, the, the enhancement talent. No disrespect to him or Nick Patrick, the referee, or even Teddy Long. This Norman nonsense in the middle of a Ranger Ross match is trash. Your thoughts? Um, more importantly, there was a game that night. Oh, okay. It was against my Philadelphia 76ers. And oh, that was okay. And Atlanta, and, and the Hawks won. The legend, Dominique Wilkins, scored 25 points. What did this, uh, what did this bitch ass Charles Barkley do? Let me see. <laughs> and Barkley had that night, Barkley had. Come on. Oh, no wonder they lost. Barkley only had 19. He must have been drunk. All right, so it was a uh, uh, – you had a game that night. I'm trying to see what time the game started. But that had to that has to be the reason why. 
Okay. Hawks so beat the Sixers 100 to 92 on the evening of December 2nd, and the majority of their games were aired on TBS that year. So th- that that's got to be the reason. Okay. Well, that makes sense. I knew it. I immediately knew it wasn't baseball December 2nd of 89. I mean, there's there's no way they're playing that late uh, in the year. So that that certainly makes sense. What did you did you have anything from this Ranger Ross Norman nonsense? Uh, Pat Rose was a great Mr. Wrestling back in the day. Uh, he was under the hood as as a uh, Mr. Wrestling when um uh whenever Mr. Wrestling two in, jo- in Georgia would have a tag team partner, many a times it was Pat Rose under the hood. Uh, Ranger Ross, the future bank robber slash minister, is one of the worst wrestlers in the world. Uh, but he uh but Cedric's wife does make him look like Ric Flair. <laughs> I can't. I, I I've harped on this a bunch of times. I'll, I'll replay it here for the for the Patreon viewers. Uh, you know, outside of the nonsense with Norman on the outside, uh, Ranger Ross. If you just watch his um, quote unquote kick that he does. It is so weak. I mean, he doesn't even connect. Uh, su- uh, Chris Adams, he is not. Uh, hey, Ranger Ross he, uh, is going to be around for a while, too. That's the crazy part of this. And then uh, uh, a year from now, less than a year from now, y'all are really going to get pissed when he comes on a WCW Saturday night program mm-hmm. in full costume as they try to fool you that it's Muda. It's the Pearl of the Orient. Oh, my God. And his super kick. His super kick makes Savannah Jack super kick look like Chris Adams super kick. There's nothing super about his super kick. I guess that's why they call it the combat kick, but there's nothing combating about his combat kick. I still don't understand. Everybody that talked about him back then and talk talks about him today say how he's such a great guy. Um, children love him, and he does a lot of work with the children in the in in, in the state of Georgia. What caused him to become a bank robber? Man, it's just one of them things in life, man. I mean, there's, and I don't want to. It could have been a sense of desperation at the time, you know. Yeah, desperate people, desperate people do take desperate measures. Yeah, there's. I mean, you never know. Look, this is not an excuse, but if you ask the question, you know, like what happens to someone? I mean, I've known good people in life, people I would deem as good people. I think of somebody I went to school with who actually is a good dude. And he he did exactly what you're talking about. He 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 robbed a bank, and I, I, knowing this dude, I'm like, you know, I've never asked him that, but I, I'd love to say like, what possessed you to 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 go that route? And it, it had to be something just clicked on that day, a sense of desperation, a sense of something in life that I I couldn't tell you. But I mean, there are times in life when. When good people have stupid takes and do stupid things. And, mm-hmm. you know, not knowing Ranger Ross, I'm just going to leave it at that because, you know. That, 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 that sounds like it sums it up right there. I mean, because anybody that's ever talked about the man that, I've, that, that, that knows him has said nothing but the best things about him. And maybe that's what, uh, why his sentence wasn't as huge as it, as, as it could have been. Because he probably had people from the military and uh, community leaders coming out and saying, no, uh, this 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 is an aberration. And so he only spent a few years in prison and has done God's work since coming out. So shout out to the Ranger. If you're out there listening somewhere I've, and you've heard the criticism, you are you have done a great job as far as community work. And I applaud you for that, Mr. Ross. 
Yeah, shout out to Ranger Ross. When we critique you, it's strictly your bad wrestling ability, not your life skills. I mean, I, I got to make that clear. Um, just like if somebody were to say, you're a terrible podcast host, Mike, I'd be like, that's great. I'm glad you feel that way, but I'm winning at life, you know, because I take yeah, care of my right. kids. He's a, tre- he's a tremendous father. You know, my so, Mike's a tremendous father. So if you don't like his podcasting <laughs> skills, I I would put huge money that he's a better father than your assholes out there, right? <laughs> I'm a better family man than podcaster any day of the week. But on that particular note, we'll go now to the Midnight Express. They got a meat and potatoes promo, but I figure we got to play something here because I don't know if we got mm-hmm. a ton of great promos this week. Here's their promo. Ladies and gentlemen, another team that's looking for a victory. Here tonight on World Championship Wrestling, the Midnight Express will be taking on the Dynamic Dudes in a matter of moments. Look at that one big fat redneck up there stuffing popcorn in his face so fast he looks like a a mix master. Shut up if you don't have a good thing to say about somebody, then just keep your big fat face shut. Now, you, you know what the funniest joke that I've heard in a long time is? The funniest joke I've heard in a long time, we came out last week, we said, we need some competition, somebody we're changing clothes for, somebody can make the Midnight Express break a sweat. You know who said there's going to be some competition? Who? <laughs> the Dynamic Dudes. And right here today on World Championship Wrestling, dudes, you're going to get your opportunity. You want revenge against the Midnight Express for what they did to you at the Clash? You want to get your hands around my neck for the two months? Then I strung you two punks along and made fools out of you. And most of all, you want to redeem yourself in front of all these people. But let me tell you something, dude. You ain't got too su- you ain't got too smart of a track record on national television against the Midnight Express. And it's fixing to get a whole lot sorrier because we're going to get you in that ring, turn you upside down, and shake you for change and humiliate you after we beat you. And don't forget, tomorrow on the NWA main event, World Heavyweight Championship, beautiful Bobby going up against Nature Boy Ric Flair is going to be the greatest wrestling match anybody's ever seen. We're going to go back and get ready to beat some punks up. Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, we'll see the World Tag Team Champions, the Steiner Brothers, right after this timeout. You know, something we haven't talked about, Silva, on this show is they, they did the the match with the dudes in the Express where Corny turned on the dudes and all that stuff. But they actually, they, they're going to keep wrestling for a while. And I can I remember Cornette talking about this where they even did some, like around the house shows and everything, and not just on TV, but they, they, they wrestled each other a lot uh, down the road before it finally ends, and, and I think the dudes end up leaving. So, um you know, I, I think about that when I think about and listen to Cornette talking right there about not only today's match, but, you know, going forward over the next month. Um, you could see how rejuvenated Cornette is now that he's no longer the white meat baby face manager that now he could let let loose. And he let loose in this promo. It was an excellent promo, not an all time great Cornette promo, but. Look at his face. Look at his smile. He now he gets to be himself. And when they get in the ring, fucking Stan Lane, such a pompous, arrogant asshole. He's great. He's fucking great. <laughs> Look at the way Stan Lane is looking doing the promo. Like, yeah, motherfuckers. The line, <laughs> the line in the back is is, is open again. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it, it was it was to me like the promo. I agree, it wasn't like the, one of his greatest, but um, the swagger is there because Corny is just good when he's running people down and he's being a heel. Um, I'm gonna say something oh, I, unpopular. By the way, before you continue, we we failed to mention Kevin Sullivan is announcing with uh, Jim Ross now. 
Yeah. He is tremendous. And um, shout out to your co-host of the Mid-South podcast, uh, Brian Lass. His 605 came up last night, opening day baseball 605, and he had Kevin Sullivan on the first segment. And Kevin, I could listen to Kevin talk about baseball all day long. The man knows the sport. And Brian asked him, what did he think of AEW? And Kevin, without slinging mud or anything, said, look, I don't want to watch a show where these guys look like they can mow my, mow my lawn. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to watch that. And um, how do you have Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, one of the biggest pop culture stars on the planet, in a match, break a table? This man used to get hack a Shaq and the whole time. Kevin was preaching gospel. And then he disappears and you never mention him again on the program? What kind of booking is that? That's coming from a Hall of Fame booker, all right? And Kevin Agreed. Sullivan. So shout out to him. He's tremendous on the mic. I, I love and. He's calling it down the middle, Mike. And we watched the whole show. He, while he, this is supposed to be the devil, Kevin Sullivan. And he's sounding like a pure color commentator. He He's really good. Um, I, I, I'm going to say something. And I think people are going to see this when we get to 1990. Cornette does commentary with JR in 90. And I, I think Sullivan is better than Cornette. Uh, because Cornette, he, he starts just... It starts being too much. Um, yes. Not not yes. like Michael Hayes, but it starts being too much where it's just like the yelling and the, uh, the just raising the voice level uh, always is, is just like it becomes overbearing. And I don't Cornette, think Sullivan's Cornette like that. Cornette baby face. Cornette as a baby face doing color commentator was tremendous. Remember while we talked about uh, – what was it? The clash, the clash, the September clash, where yep. he was tremendous alongside Cornet. They sounded like a football announcing team. They were calling it down the middle and were tremendous. But Cornet turns heel and he does a lot of color, and he's over the top. He he's ripping the baby faces and 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 loving the heels, while Sullivan, to that point, is calling it down the middle. Even yeah. like. This match right now, we're watching the Steiners, right? He is praising the Steiners, and he's been in a feud with the Steiners all year, and he's praising them. He's praising them. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Sullivan is, like you said, that, that clash we did was good with Corny and JR. I, I was I was right on board. I thought that was excellent. Corny, once he's a a, a heel, he's good in, in spots, but just a, for for entire shows for months on end, it, it, you'll see it'll start to wear on you. But you're you right. You know where he was tremendous after this, when he was doing Raw on uh, in a Monday when he was doing Monday Night Raw years later. While he's a heel, he was calling it down the down the middle, more like Sullivan's doing now. Even though he was a heel when he was doing the color commentating. After a while, he stopped managing. He was just announcing. He was tremendous. But this corny that we're about to see, it, it, he he's too much of a. It's not like when I when I look at a heel announcer, they don't have to be over the top. Uh, Jesse Ventura was great because even though he was a heel announcer, if he saw excellent, I mean, he loved Macho Man, whether Macho Man was a face or a heel. He loved the British Bulldogs. They were faces. He would call the you know, the only time he'd be real over Barrett is when he was killing Hulk Hogan because he hated him in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. No, that's true. 
All right. You don't. Have, you don't. You could be a heel announcer and not be so damn uh, condescending towards the towards the faces. And by the way, today, you know who's an excellent color commentator? Because I was watching it until the last few weeks. Samoa Joe is good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. I, I agree. He's he's he he's a he's a good commentator. I got I got respect for him. Um, he he. He sounds like a real announcer. Like I don't know he, how, how to he, explain it. He calls it down the middle. He's not trying to put himself over. He rarely he he, just, he talks about the holes. He he talks about the the feuds and 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 the storylines and and uh, the wrestler strengths. He talks like he's like 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 like, like he's a re- like he's he treats it as a sport. Not like um, a lot of dudes. He he a lot like your boy Caprice. He calls it down the line. He treats it like a sport, not like a circus act. Caprice is Caprice is damn good too. I agree. So, um, that was the only other thing I was gonna say was like I'm not trying to say Cornette is Hayes on commentary because Michael Hayes is just ridiculously overbearing. I mean, he just wears me out. I can't stand listening to him. Um, that was the only other note I was gonna make. But Samoa Joe, Caprice Coleman, both very good on commentary. This match you were talking about, I wanted to go to something real quick, and it had just stopped, or I stopped it right before it happened. So, yeah, I, so see, I see what you're talking about. The Steiners are taking on Rick Fargo and Brody Chase, and uh, there's a picture-in-picture promo from the Steiners as they come to the ring. And so Steiner, one of the Steiner, uh, not one, but Scott goes to hit the Frankensteiner, and watch what happens when he goes to hit the Frankensteiner on this guy. He doesn't go over. Scott lands on his head, and, and Scott is about to, like bludgeoning this poor bastard and stops himself from doing so. Uh, Scott, Scott would have ended that young man's career right there if he wanted to. He would have ended his career. And yeah. I feel like Scott at that moment was like, all right, I'm a little new to this promotion. Maybe not let me kill this guy on national television. Um, but he was right mad. About that. Hey, but he the, was mad. The thing about the Steiner brothers, I have... There hasn't been a team since they left, since they broke up in 98, that wrestled like this. I mean, they did everything tight. They were badasses. They, those Steiner lines, the suplexes, they looked like actual, which which they were, actual great college wrestlers who adapted to the pro game, and they made everything look real. Like, you were like, oh, man. They're really, they're really kicking. There was no, I mean, you, you had comedy with the, with Rick with his promos and after the match was over, but during the match, there was no comedy. They were straight ass kickers, and man, they were tremendous. And this, you, the highlight of every pay per view going for, going for, going forth are the Steiner brothers. Steiner brothers had one classic match after another. Starting with, they had some great matches at the Starcade coming up, and they keep going. They had great matches with Luke, with, with Luger and Sting, with Doom. They even made the Freebirds look good in a couple of matches. I, yeah, you're not gonna hear disagreement from me when it comes to the Steiners. Um, and and as as I point this out, you know, I pointed this out when they won the 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 titles. They are keep in mind they are only i know they're brothers in real life but they are only a few months in to being a a tag team uh, at a national big time level and, and that is they didn't the, start didn't they, they didn't start teaming until june i believe because remember steiner 
Rick and and Eddie Gilbert were the U.S. Tag Team titles up until the May Seven yep. Wrestle War uh, pay per view, and then after that, they did a Steiner injury angle where the titles had to be vacated, and very soon those titles be brought back. And then when he when Rick came back, Eddie was on the booking committee, put Rick and Scott together, and Rest in peace, Eddie Gilbert, because he put two of the best tag teams of that era together. He put Butch and Ron together. They were the they were the original Ebony Experience. You didn't see that on Saturday night. They would do do uh, in July and August on the house shows. The Ebony Experience were opening act were opening tag team Ron Simmons and Butch Reed. You didn't see him on on WCW Saturday night though. And then of course he put Rick and Scott together. So he put those two tag teams together. And by the way. The Ebony Experience was a name he would use in Global for Booker T and Stevie Ray. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I'm agreeing that he put two of the better tag teams together. And again, I know the Steiners are brothers, but at the end of the day, he's still at the level that they're at to do what they did. It's just tremendous they're, stuff. And I they're only five months into tag teaming right now, and they're already they're already on the Midnight Express level when it comes to great tag team, and they've only they're been over. together five months. Oh, they're over. On that note, so the Steiners win. We'll go down to a Starcade 89 update from Gordon Soley. Here it is. Update on Starcade 4 this week for Starcade 89, the night of the Ironmen. Wednesday night, December 13th at the Omni in Atlanta. 7 p.m. is match time. May I suggest you call your cable stations now. You will see in a one-night round-robin tournament. Rick Flair, Sting, the Great Muda, and Lex Luger to find out which man will indeed become the Iron Man. And in the Iron Team Tag Team Competition, it will be the Road Warriors, led by Paul Ellering, Doom, led by Woman, the Skyscrapers, led by Theodore R. Long, and the Steiners stand alone. They will all be in action on Wednesday night, December 13th, at the Omni in Atlanta. Call your local uh, cable station now to make your reservations, and if you live in the Atlanta area, make sure to be at the Omni on Wednesday night, December 13th. Match time is 7 p.m. And that's Starcade update for this week. So, uh, just a quick update from Gordon. We're going to do Starcade in a few weeks. Yeah, it's, uh, not, it's not a it's not a complete update. Not a complete update. Right. Skyscrapers right now are not together because uh, Sid Injury. had a punctured lung. He's injured, and they have to re be replaced by the Samoa SWAT team. By this point in time, they knew he wasn't going to wrestle. WCW everybody they should have went and redid that uh, Starcade update and bring up the fact that it's the SST not the skyscrapers that will be in, in at Starcade now it's funny the skyscrapers had they wrestled what would have been, what were they going to uh, what would they have done because <laughs> you got to put the Steiners over so um that's a question y'all could bring up during the Starcade uh, uh, podcast, the Starcade review, because yeah. um, if the skyscrapers are in, who's do you have all these teams that don't want to do jobs? I we we gonna have a that that's probably gonna that's gonna be talked about more than the actual matches when we do that show. Exactly. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, for real. Uh, we go to the next match. It's Doom with Woman and Nitron versus Jason Walker and Ricky Nelson. Um, Doom 1 is in the ring first, and Sullivan tells JR 
that I can tell you what his name is. And Jr. says, I know you can, but you won't. Which I, which, which um, they 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 do this from time to time until Doom's mask come off. They they they. I mean, like you said a while back, we knew who they were. You knew who they were. I mean, it's it's plain to see. But they they on commentary they tease it. So Jr. makes that mention. The crowd is chanting, "We want the Steiners as Doom wins." I didn't have any other notes. What did you have, Silva? I was trying to. Uh... I was uh, thinking, who does Nancy look like? Nancy, sa- woman, sounds exactly like Kathleen Turner, but she looked like somebody. And I can who who? And then yesterday, last night, while I'm watching this match, I was like, bingo. She reminds me, and this woman was a cultural icon from the mid '70s to the mid '80s. One day at a time, Valerie Bertinelli. She looks just like her. Hmm. I could see it. I mean, I won't say just like her, but I kind of I see what you're saying. And they, they're built. They're built similarly because uh, they both were thick, thick built uh, white women, and and they're both Italian women. So they, there might be a relation there some, somewhere. But uh, she reminds me of Valerie Valerie Bertinelli, and she talks. They talk nothing alike. She every time I hear her talk, I I get the Kathleen Turner vibes. Yeah, I I, I could I could see why you're saying that. I do. All right. Any other notes on the match? Uh, Doom Doom dominates. What I loved about this match was uh, they were acting like the Andersons with working on the arm. That was great. That was great. That's how you. That's how you get over. What you don't. You want to do a gimmick today of a tag team? This was pre hurt business. The way they're just working on this guy's arm, going and tagging in and out. This was great. Also, don't do flips and dives, and you'll immediately be a heel. Not that, that these was... two, not that these two were gonna flip and dive. My point is, like, <laughs> if you just grab an arm and work a hole, you're gonna piss the crowd off because they don't like that, that no that, more. That, but that was that was right, right there. That was ring psychology one on one. They were just tremendous, and Ron Simmons talking shit throughout the whole match. Oh, get there. come on, boy. <laughs> Dude, I love Ron. I love watching Ron Sim. I mean, he's he's beating the piss out of. I think it's Jason Walker as we're watching this. I don't remember if that, that's Walker or Nelson, but yeah, it's Jay- he's, that's Jason Walker. He's throwing these punches, and they they look phenomenal. Ron, Ron is tremendous. He's headbutting them. The headbutts look great. I, I I love it. It's it's just really, it's really good stuff. All right. So then, uh, after after Doom Doom's gonna win with ease. We then go to highlights of Ric Flair versus the Great Muda from last week with the Wild Brawl from Flair, Muda, Buzz Sawyer, um, Gary Hart, uh, the Dragon Master, etc. Uh, Silva, I know you weren't with us on that episode. Uh, did you want to share anything on on how they just left Flair laid out? That was a tremendous match. That Muda Flair match, and once again. You have a guy that could do the flips and dives, but his ringside great Muda, Kiji Muto, is one of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the sport. He's on that Ric Flair level when it comes to working, ring psychology, being over. He they were tremendous. And in my lifetime, he's the only Japanese wrestler that was over with the American crowd where he could where you could, uh, where the people saw him as a star. Shinsuke oh, yeah. Nakamura was a huge star in Japan. 
came over to the WWE and they buried his his ass. And the man has incredible talent, but you can't do shit with him today because they raped his ass. Uh, uh, Muto until Starcade, and you'll talk about it during that podcast, was super duper over. He was tremendous, and that was a tremendous match. And the ending was great with Buzz Sawyer and Muto just destroying Ric Flair and, le- and leaving him battered and beaten. They, I, I, I don't want to do this now because we're going to do it on the pay-per-view, but I, it amazes me how they do this great, great angle at the end right there where they leave Flair laid out, misted, he's red. So he looks bloody, but he's not. It's the red mist. Right, right. And then, you know, two weeks later, they bury this man <laughs> on their biggest pay-per-view of the year. It is the most schizophrenic shit. You'll, you'll, one of the most schizophrenic things you'll ever see in pro wrestling, which is they, they, bizarre. And that, that, probably, that probably led to him leaving because he, oh, he yes. would only be there a couple of more months. And... They really lost out on a great talent. I know they brought him back from time to time. Right. And But the next time he becomes a regular, it doesn't matter. It's 2000 and the company's in the toilet. That's the next time he's there uh, as a regular. And it's a shit show. Russo booking the shit show. But in early 1990, they dropped the ball. Because remember, Sting gets hurt. Mm-hmm. You have a ready-made replacement for him. If you would have not did what you did to him, Mm-hmm. He leaves around the same time. His last match, I believe, is the night Sting gets hurt. That would have been, had they not fucked him, they could have made a deal with you, Japan, say, look, we're going to keep him for another six, seven months. He's going to have a, he's going to have a uh, run with the title, which will make him, when he goes back to you guys, even stronger. Mm-hmm. No, they just let him walk. And he went to New Japan, and he became one of the three or four biggest stars in the history of, of New Japan. Yeah, more to come on that, but I'm I, I I agree with you. All right, we go. So after the video package of the highlights of Flair versus Muda from last week's show that we reviewed, we're gonna go to now to Ric Flair and let's see what Rick's got to say uh, after what happened. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. In just a few moments, we'll see Lex Luger defend the United States Heavyweight Championship. But I want to invite in one more time the world's heavyweight champion, Nature Boy Ric Flair, tomorrow on the NWA main event. At 6.05, he'll be taking on beautiful Bobby Eaton for the World's Heavyweight Championship. And I don't think anybody has got a more challenge ahead of them in the next few weeks. Tomorrow, Bobby Eaton, Starcade coming up on December 13th. And what a battle we saw last week against Muda. Well, what we saw last week was the start of another war in the life of Ric Flair. The great Muda came out last week and did exactly what I knew he would do, and that was give me a tremendous wrestling match. He's one of the greatest technicians in our sport. But the bottom line is, Muda, December 13th, Atlanta, Georgia, Starcade, pal, you, my friend, just started to pay the dues for what you and Gary Hart and Bud Sawyer and the Dragon Master will call the beginning and what I will call the end because I'm standing before you, the wrestling world, as I have been for 10 years, custom made and ready to go. And the bottom line is, I'll be here next week with what you will know to be the biggest 
surprise in my wrestling career. So Hart, I'm begging you, I'm asking you, I'm challenging you to be here on World Championship Wrestling next week to take me on one more time. If you've got the guts, bring your whole army because next week I've got a surprise of a lifetime for you. Woo! I thought Flair was pretty good right there. What did you think? So, uh, uh, meat, meat and potatoes. Excellent, like like Cornette. Excellent promo, but you know, you want to rate the all-time great Cornette and Ric Flair promos? That's not even top five hundred. I mean, it was it was it was it was good. It was excellent, but it d- didn't blow me away. Because that's what happens when you're so great If somebody today cut that promo Motherfuckers would be jerking off But that that, that was Excellent promo by Flair But still I haven't haven't seen anything for a Rolex yet So The thing about that promo that's hard to separate From what you hear And see versus what it actually is Is He challenges Muda next week So Stay tuned on if and whatever happens there. But then he also says he has a surprise. So it's kind of hard to watch that, not knowing what's coming next week when he says he has a surprise. And I don't want to say anything more because that'll kind of let things out the bag, even though I've probably said too much already. So, But tune in next week to make sure you hear about the surprise. Or if you're on Patreon, you can watch the surprise as we do the video view review of these at tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. So I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, it is meat and potatoes, but it is flair. So it's still good. Uh, but the, the surprise I think is the big thing from that. I want to from... go back to that, that flair Muda match. That would be the last, I believe, because I don't think he's on this week. That's the last match ever on television that Tommy Young uh, uh, refereed. Which one? Uh, the Flair Muda match. The, no, no, no. The, the one that y'all did last week. The, hold on. I th- I gotta, I'm going to have to go back and watch it. I thought the, the match where he gets hurt is on no, no, Saturday no. night. We haven't seen it yet. Oh, the the Tommy Rich match? Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So we haven't seen it yet. Okay. So right. look, I, I might be wrong, I, and it, it may be about, on main event or it may be on Worldwide, and I'm just I, not I, remembering it right, but I, I thought it was I, on Saturday night. I, I, I thought it was a house show, but if it was a t- television show, then it wasn't a house show. Might have been a TV taping. Um, but anyway, he he never wrestled again, and um, I think he had an out of court settlement with with WCW. Uh, of course, Tommy, that cokehead, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, tonsil waving motherfucker, didn't pay a dime for ending the greatest referee in history of wrestling's career. <laughs> Yeah, more more to come. I, I I'm honest to God, not sure. Uh, but I think it. I'm pretty sure it happens on Saturday night. Oh, or, I swear it happens on TV. Maybe it was main event. Maybe believe, it was. I believe it happened November 28th around that area. So it would have been before they aired this show, and after they taped that match with Tommy Young and Flair and Muda. Okay, so so stay. It's okay. It may be on worldwide then. Um, I'm going to look, I might, I'm going to look right after this, I think, or if I remember, but I, cause I've got worldwide and I've got the next, obviously the next Saturday night and whatnot, but we'll, we'll look. Cause, um, I know what you're talking about and, and I, I swear I saw it on TV somewhere, but 
you know, when you watch a lot of wrestling, you, sometimes you miss, you don't remember exactly where you saw it. But I, I could have swore I saw it on television. Maybe it wasn't Saturday night. On that note, we go to, but it is a good point to make because you're right. Tommy Young is uh, is about to be not a referee much longer thanks to that uh, buffoon and jackass Tommy Rich. We go then to Lex Luger versus Pablo Crenshaw. Luger's going to win with the torture rack. Sting comes out at the end of the match and wants a piece of Luger. Sting and Luger, they end up mixing it up. Sting almost hits uh, the Stinger Splash, but Luger moves. Luger's going to powder out the ring. Then Luger gets back in. They fight a little more. They kind of, you know, just to kind of get the fans excited. And then Luger powders out a second time because he wants no more of Sting. Uh, I thought this was pretty good little bit of action here that they did, uh, you know, leading into what's going on over the next few months and whatnot. But, again, we'll see how it all plays out. We know Sting's going to get injured. That's been talked about out of nauseam. Uh, any thoughts on Luger versus Pablo Crenshaw here, Silva? He, he comes in the ring looking like a champion with that robe and that arrogance. And um, can you can you come up with a more uh, 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 insensitive name and calling this guy Pablo Crenshaw? Oh, oh yeah, you're I'm, talking. I'm, I'm from Crenshaw Boulevard in, in California because the man's from California. Pablo Crenshaw, come on, man. But he's anyway. been around for a while. He's been. I mean, he's been on. He's been on Saturday Night for years. His name wasn't always Pablo Crenshaw, right? Yeah, it was back in okay. 86, 87. Okay. I mean, right. I remember seeing I him on Saturday night for a long time. I, I, I remember seeing him, but I wasn't sure. There you go. Yeah. Early signs of dementia. But Luger looks like a champion, and this angle is tremendous with him and Sting. Yeah. Sting comes in, and, and they fight, and then he comes back in like the chicken shit healed, and he runs off. WCW would have been a whole lot different if Sting hadn't gotten hurt on that clash. Because the mm-hmm. plan, the plan was after he beat Flair was to have a long feud with Luger over the NWA World Title, and this was setting things up. Even yeah, and even though Sting would win it later on that year, that I know what you the mean. Was not yeah. the same because yeah. he had a he had a ready made big money program with Lex Luger. That would have been huge. Mm-hmm. Sting versus Luger would have been huge. And the way Luger was working at the time and the way Sting was working at the time, those would have been tremendous. Lex Luger, uh, we we give him credit. Uh, so it's not us. You, me, everybody who listens to BTT. Oh, by the way, shout out to Mick Foley who started a petition to get him into the WWE Hall of Fame. And of course, Vince... It probably came to Vince's desk and he just tossed it in the wastebasket. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. Um, the WWE Hall of Fame is not real. Uh, I don't even I get know. worked up out of it. I don't get worked about about it anymore because it's just whatever. But look, look, to, look to, how he took, look how he took that high back body drop right there. He went up in the air. That that's Luger. He he, you know, you've said it now for over a year. We've talked about it on this show. Every single clash, every single pay-per-view, he puts his working boots on and he goes out there and he has tremendous match. I mean, he he drugged Tommy Rich's idiotic ass through a phenomenal match. He's had great matches with Pillman. Now, that's not as hard to do, obviously, because right, two right. great workers. But Luger is Luger is, is over. And, and you're right, if Sting doesn't get hurt and what happened should have happened where sting wins the world title. They could have had a long program. It would have been tremendous. Um, Luger's, Luger's program, good. but then you'll, you'll see what happens. They, they have to, uh, 
because they fucked Muda over. They have to uh, do a quick turn with Luger, which really uh, it stunted his momentum because he was super over as a heel. And when you keep turning somebody, every time you turn that person, it loses more and more luster. Yeah, it um, does. But if you look at Luger's run, and I will keep hammering this down, from 1988 with his matches against Flair at both Great American Bash and Starcade until Halloween Havoc 91 when he wrestled Ron Simmons, and you'll be covering all of that. Yep. He had classic match after classic match on all the pay-per-views. There's not one bad pay-per-view. Meanwhile, the dirt sheets at the time, because I was reading them, Meltzer, Wade Keller, Steve Beverly, they constantly ripped this man saying he couldn't work. My eyes, I got eyes, fellas. And my <laughs> eyes tell me something different. Because you have you have to take, it takes two to tangle. He, that was the greatest, you, you will get to it. The Halloween Havoc 91 match with Ron Simmons, that was the greatest match of Ron Simmons' career. His entire career. He never came close to having such a great, well, the match with Vader was great, but it was shorter. That two out of three, four with Luger was a tremendous match. And Luger wrestled that match with a staph infection and still got a classic match out of Ron Simmons. You guys will be covering the WrestleWar 91 match between Sting and Luger versus the Steiners. One of the greatest matches in the history of WCW, probably on the short list for the greatest tag team match in WCW history. That was a tremendous, and that was a babyface versus babyface match, which 99 times out of 100 are, 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 not, are not always great. That was great. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep championing Luger, and you guys lied to me when I was a young man. I was 22, 21, 22 years old, 23 years old, thinking, hey, but I'm reading Meltzer, I'm reading Keller. I'm reading Steve Beverly. They're saying this guy's the shits, but every time I I, I get this pay-per-view tape, because I didn't have cable at the time, I had to go pay somebody $10 to record this shit on their pay-per-view, on their VCR for me. Like, Luger is killing it! Mm-hmm. And, he's, and, and I never understood why people look down on Luger. And shout out to Jim Cornette, because somebody wrote into Cornette asking his thoughts on Luger. And Cornette was like, if Luger wrestled today, you'd have to break the bank. <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, yeah, and you'll be able to listen to all our reviews on that on our Patreon feed when we do the clashes and uh, pay-per-views that Silva's talking about. But, he, he, look, we we beat it to death. He's, he had a tremendous 88, 80, 89, you know, going into 90. I mean, he's just he's just phenomenal. There's no other way to say it. And so. the WWF ruined him. They they missed the boat on him, uh, with that with with that SummerSlam debacle where he wins via countout against Yokozuna, and they put in the balloons and everybody comes in to congratulate. Congratulate for what? He wins shit. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep moving. On that note, uh, we did get a we did get a promo from Sting. Um, where it's a quick meat and potatoes promo. He talks about Star Kid '89. I, I mean, there's not. It literally was just even a few seconds. Uh-huh. Um, and then we go to Sting versus Dan Devine, who is actually uh, AKA Danny Davis or Nitro Danny Davis, if you are familiar with him from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. He, was, he was he uh he would be under a hood the following year as the Galaxians. Galaxian, yeah. One of the Galaxians, yeah. Uh, and, uh, trivia note: the first man 
Jim Cornette ever managed was Danny Davis when him and Ken Wayne were known as the Galaxians before they became Nightmares. Yeah, that was the first team that uh, Jim Cornette managed, and him and Cornette are still best of friends. They owned and ran OVW together. Yep, that is that Danny Davis, if you are familiar when Cornette tells those stories. Sting wins with the Scorpion Deathlock, and the replay is brought to us by the National Dairy Board. Boy, that's uh, some hell of five product about, placement. What I love about Danny Davis's match, he knew that this was going to be no offense, so he made Sting look like $10 million with the bumps he was taking in this match. <laughs> yeah, he did. He fought. <laughs> Danny Davis should never be uh, – he, he should always be taken seriously when it comes to, to putting a guy – I mean, he can bump. Look, Danny yeah. Davis is talented. I mean, he knows exactly what he's doing. He knows what he's supposed to do, and you're right. He's selling his ass off for Sting. Even an elbow oh. drop. Did you see how he pops look, up? Like he, like he died. Like he's dying. Oh, I'm drowning. <laughs> Sting, Sting drops the elbow. Look at him flopping. <laughs> It's it's really good. I mean, it's just little things like that. Like Danny Davis knew his role exactly what it was here, and that was to get Sting over. And he bumps and flops around like 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 everything you'd expect uh, someone who's putting somebody over. So it really was good. Danny and, Davis uh, and, should be credited. And Bo and Bo James could 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 uh, piggyback on this. He 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 could definitely tell you guys about the run that the Nightmares had in Continental. They had one great match after another, and they got probably the best matches out of Tommy and um, Johnny Rich when they were the, the when they were feuding with the Nightmares in, in Southeastern slash Continental. Nightmares were a tremendous tag team, and no wonder why Danny Davis is one of the greatest wrestling trainers of all time. The, the man knows his shit. Yeah, he does, and you can see it when he's wrestling. That's the thing. It's 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 very easy to see when you go back and watch his matches you're like okay that guy knew what the hell he was doing he might not have been a mega star but he could make mega stars he could train mega stars i mean the, him, the guy knew him, what he was doing him and dr tom perfect examples yeah yeah um and dr tom i think uh, when you watch smoky mountain run is obviously more over than than davis was well davis didn't do much in smoky mountain so that's not fair but you know what i mean like those two guys uh, they might not have been mega stars millionaire million dollar stars but they certainly could train them they knew what the hell they were doing and it was i mean you could it's evident you know when you watch both oh, those and, guys and, work. and i forgot the great rip rogers too another one and you'll be rip rogers is coming soon and yeah. rip rogers is going to be phenomenal in 1990 yeah. wcw <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. We keep going. The New Zealand militia with Lord Littlebrook are going to take on. Why don't, they, why don't they just drop this act? This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous. And and now, okay, now this is supposed to be the New Zealand militia, right? Yeah. You've got an American, a dude from New Zealand, and a, and a, 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 a British midget. This isn't the New Zealand militia. Let's stop the nonsense. This is ridiculous. I, I, I've said it a bunch of times, Silva. I know you've heard me when you listen to the show. So victory has literally been brought in to be a Russian. Um, he's been a uh, secret service. He's been help me out here. I, I've I've said this before. Now I can't remember. He's been a Russian. He was, he was he was he was the Russian assassin. Right. He was a Midnight Express replacement for one night. Right. He was secret agent Jack Victory. Right. Uh, he he was under the hood. He's been under the hood two or three times. Yeah, but there was one pay-per-view where he wrestled three times. <laughs> right. 
I think it was a clash. It may have been a clash, but you're There's right. A like clash where he wrestled as Jack Victory as a Russian assassin, and he was under her the third time. He was yeah. the guy that wrestled Luger. What the fuck was his name? I um, can't remember, but I know. I forgot the shadow or some shit. I forgot. Some shit. I'm like, I hope they gave him three paychecks. He, uh, well, my point being, like, and, and I'm not the biggest Jack the Victory fan in the world, but I've said this a number of times, so I won't beat it to death, even though I'm beating it to death at this moment. This man has been done, like, wrong. I, like, I don't think Jack Victory was ever going to be a top star anywhere, but, like, they've literally just shuffled him around, uh, like, no tomorrow. And it's, it's, it's kind of unfortunate. So, but long story short, what we got here is the New Zealand militia. You're right. You got somebody who's from New Zealand, you got an American, and you got a, uh, a little person from from the UK, and it, it's just it's absurd. But they're gonna win. Uh, Lord Littlebrook he cuts a promo. He says he is representing the UK and the New Zealand militia. The crowd chants USA to the New Zealand militia during this match, as if we're discussed, uh, as if New Zealand is the most hated hated communist country in the world. It's it's rather fascinating when you think about I it. Always, but I always laugh when Australians and people from New Zealand are are looked at as evil in wrestling when those are two of the most peaceful countries that ever exist. You never hear of New Zealand, New Zealand going out and, and, and Australia going out and raiding African countries or, the, the, or, 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 or shooting people dead in the street or starting wars. You never hear any of that. No, or dictatorships. You never hear that. Silver. Peace, you do, these are peaceful and prideful people. You you do realize though, in in America, uh, especially in this time frame, if you waved any flag other than the American flag in WCW, you were pretty much um, waving a treasonous flag of some sort. It <laughs> it, 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 it didn't it did well no they 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 cheered uh, they, they, they they cheered this. They cheered, and uh, it's coming up soon. They cheered the Southern Boys' flag. Well, that's true. Flag. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's true. I should say. It. But, 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 but my my greater point before we get into into before we uh, go down that road is my greater point is that whenever I mean you think about the sheep herders when they would wave the flag and they were cutting the promos yeah. in the studio and how they were quote unquote evil. It, it was. It's funny how we look back at that and it's like. Wait, we we were booing them oh. like like they were communist Russia. It, it's 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 un- fascinating. I can understand Iran, Iraq, Russia, the Soviet Union. I could never understand Japan. Japan was an ally of the United States, and every time a Japanese wrestler came in, whether it was Muda or Mr. Saito, Kendo Nakasaki, the Great Kabuki, it's like, oh, you evil Japs, you evil Japanese. What are you talking evil? They're your friends. What are you talking about? They're your well, <laughs> I mean, you got to realize, you know, 1989 is 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 just over 40 years removed from from World War Two when the Americans, you know, bombed Japan. So, like, that's still in play, even though at that point, you know, they, they they're quote unquote friendly. So, yeah, um, and, 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 that's and, where that comes from. And, 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 and then you go to Japan and watch their wrestling. And they're not playing off that xenophobia. They're, no, they're, they're treating it like an actual sport. Well, in Japan, I mean, and that was the thing about Japan. Some of the American wrestlers were fucking God. They were like damn near gods there. I mean, it's... it's... Ter- Terry Funk was moreover as a babyface in the early 1980s in Japan than any yeah. other Japanese wrestler. When he retired, the fans, they, there was fans crying and 
It's on YouTube. Click, watch it because it was over the. He, you hear <laughs> Funko Ichiban number one number. Oh, and the fans are crying. And this was the first of thirty retirements that Funk did, but it was tremendous. <laughs> he was super over as a baby face. They didn't do yeah. this. Uh, and they had every right to do it. Evil Americans, evil Amer- No, no, no. They were wrestlers. And they could be baby faces. And well, that, up, that goes this, to- up until this point, 1989, there had yet to be a Japanese baby face. They've all been healed. Well, that goes that goes to show you the different uh, the different type of booking in, in those cultures. I mean, yeah. America would play on uh, would play on other things, whereas the Japanese wouldn't. So it, it was a, it was as much a cultural thing as a wrestling booking thing uh, all around. So it, it's it is interesting how how American wrestling played on different heartstrings than the Japanese wrestling did in the same era. I mean, it's it, it's a it's a very very it's just different. I mean, like we, we, I say we, America played on, um, I mean, I'll say it and I don't want to get into too long a discussion because we've had this discussion a number, number of times. It's just, right, we right. played on racism and, and phobias and, and things like that. I mean, I look on the, on the show, shows Lance and I are doing on world class right now. The F word is being chanted at Percy Pringle in, in, it's like Percy kind of portrayed that persona as a heel manager with Rick rude. So like we played on that as American, I say we as American wrestling bookers, like that wasn't the only time that was done. Um, you didn't see that super heat all the time when he came into the territory was Adrian street, but his gimmick was great because here's a guy that you claim. And Bill Watts talked about it once on an episode. He may look like a sissy the way he dresses, once he puts you in the, in, in the armbar, once he puts you in a lock, he'll take it something different. Because <laughs> here was a guy who was who was who was dressed in drag, but you couldn't kick his ass. Right. Yeah. That's some. That's some. So like that's. Some, but that's the thing. But American booking played on the 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 that sissy aspect and that f word sa- yeah. aspect. Um. That was. That's how it was done in old school American wrestling. And you know, I'm not a Japanese wrestling fan, but it sounds like. That that crap wasn't done there, you know. No, they didn't do that. They didn't do yeah. any of that. Which, and they would have every reason to. I mean, they were nuked. Two of their cities were destroyed, and yet they didn't play on the evil Americans. They they wrestled the Americans. That dog was a sport, and wrestlers like Terry Funk and Stan Hansen were revered, were were cheered heavily. Yeah, it's a, it's it's just it's, it's a culture as much as a cultural thing as it is a different wrestling philosophy this, from what we can and see. To this day, Mike, there has not been a super babyface Japanese wrestler in the United States that's been completely over. And I don't want to hear AEW talk about Riho. No, them broads are not over. Yeah, I, I don't know how you can how you can say a, I'm not trying to take a shot at AEW, but I don't know how you can say a show with less than a million viewers. Uh, anybody's a megastar. I'm I'm not. Hey, hey the, the, the ratings came out yesterday. Seven hundred thousand people watched the show on Wednesday night. There you go. That they, they're super over. Yeah. <laughs> on that note, we're gonna go to the uh, Road Warriors. They got a oh, promo. They got a cut. This is a great. Pro- this is a great promo. Yep. Here it is. 
You know something, Paul? Remember we were watching TV a few months ago and we saw Teddy Long bring the skyscrapers out and jump the stairs from behind for no reason, right? Then now we see how big, bad Doom is coming out there with a lady. We would never walk out the room with no stinking girl trying to tell us what to do. You, so you guys think you're the big, bad bullies. Well, you're looking at the bullies and the bullies now, guys. And Steiners, we don't make friends with nobody, but we'll be right there behind your back to help kick their butts. Starcade 89, the night of the Iron Man. That's our kind of night. The Steiners, Doom, the Skyscrapers, and the Road Warriors pair off against each other to see who is the true king of the hill. Well, we've been up on this hill a long time, and we ain't leaving. I thought it was funny when Animal tells Doom they'd never walk down to the aisle with a lady to the ring. Um, I thought the same thing, because <laughs> eight years later, they'll have Sonny walking them down to the ring. I was like, <laughs> I swear to God, I think Vince McMahon were watching old WCW promos, and like, you know, even though he's paying the Road Warriors and Ric Flair and Lex Luger, he paid these guys hundreds of thousands of dollars, right, per year, right? Damn near a million dollars a year these guys were getting paid. He would do anything he could, Dusty Rhodes, to make them look less than his stars, even though they're getting paid big money. And he probably saw this, and oh, well, first we'll give him a doll, <laughs> and then we'll stick him with a woman, and, and they, there goes their credibility. Here they say they would never walk to the ring with a woman, and they wound up walking down the ring with a woman. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, something else man I thought that was tremendous though so good promo though but it's yeah, yeah. and, and to Animal's credit he said lady he didn't say broad or you know whatever so I thought I found that you know he, he actually called her a lady but it, it's just interesting when you hear them cut that promo uh, let me it, it it it'll never get old to me but um, we keep moving, and we do go to a rather good match between the Midnight Express versus the Dynamic Dudes. And, uh, you know, we've been very critical of the Dudes, but this was actually a good match. Uh, the Midnight, As the Midnight come out, because, you know, the, the heels come out last, Midnight come out, and it's a brawl from the start. And, you know, it's just how it should be. These four guys have heat. They don't wait for introductions. They don't all that bull crap. You know, that we see nowadays with two guys with heat and they stand at the corner and they wait. Nah, this is a fight. They go at it right away. Things get started. And I thought that was what was great about this. Uh, Silva, I'll throw it to you. Uh, give me your thoughts on this match. Well, Nick was tremendous in this match. Uh, bumping. Um, I love the chair shot on on um, Shane Douglas outside the ring. Who's that hitting him with the chair? Is that Stan or Bobby? Uh, I don't remember, but it was tremendous. It was tremendous. And then um, Cornette with a great punch. I mean, he, he Cornette throws a better punch in this match than anybody from AEW, uh, WWE, uh, New Japan, NWA Power, whatever you did. Cornette threw a Jerry Lawler, Terry Funk, Dick Murdoch-type punch to one of the dudes. I, I, I didn't take any timestamps, but when you you'll see when it comes up and freeze it. It was tremendous. 
It was like him and Bobby were in the back. Bobby Eaton threw one of the greatest work punches in the history of uh, wrestling. And he was like, Bobby, I, we're going to do a spot where I hit one of the dudes with a right hand. Show me how to do it. I mean, Cornette, you couldn't tell me he connected with that right hand. It was tremendous. Here, this motherfucker can't can't take can't, can't come out the ring. He has to be helped over the top rope. Fucking idiot! Here, here comes here comes one of the uh, here comes one of the spots. Let me see. Is this the chair shot? I think it's the chair shot coming right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Bob. It's Bobby. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and then then I think here's here's the right. Hand. I think this is when um Cornette lands that right hand. This is beautiful. No, is it? I don't think see. that's Just, it. Tell him he goes back to the corner, back to the corner, back. Yeah, here it is. Here it comes right here. Watch Cornette. Here comes Cornette. Jerry Lawler. <laughs> oh, that was great. It did that look good. Great. It looked real. Yeah. He's on go the outside when he bit. hits him. Go back a little bit. Go back a little bit. Look at this. This, uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is how you throw a work punch. This is a, not hitting the mat 10 feet away from the guy's face. This is perfect. Watch. Boom! <laughs> that was great. Uh, and they did it to the right guy because Shane could sell. If yeah. that was Johnny Ace, he, he, he'd get up like nothing happened. Look at this saggy-looking motherfucker. What the fuck? Yeah, they, they, they were good in this. I mean, this is, this is a good match between these two teams. We, we beat up the dudes to no end. but you Easy, know. Easily the best match of their run as a tag team, man. Johnny Ace's best match in America. Now, like I said in the pre-show that wasn't recorded, Johnny Ace would be part of a lot of great matches in all Japan, but he was the fourth wheel. It wasn't because of him. He was in matches with Kobashi and Kawada and Masawa with Stan Hansen as his tag team partner. So all you got to do is show up and you're getting a five-star review from, uh, from, from Meltzer. But those were great matches, not because of Johnny Ace, not because of Hanson and the other two guys. Johnny Ace just happened to be there. It's like um, you, you, you're hanging out. It's like you're hanging out with uh, The Rock, Idris Elba, and uh, name me another good-looking dude. All right, let's just say you're hanging out with The Rock and Idris Elba, and these fine-ass sisters come to the table. You're going to get a fine-ass sister because you're with a rocket eat yourself, not because you're good-looking. You you could you 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 could look you you, you could look like fucking um Alfonso Ribeiro on on the Fresh Prince, and you're going to get your the third chick is going to be fine because the other two chicks are fine because you were with the rock and eat yourself. That was Johnny Ace in Japan. Speaking of Johnny Ace, I wanted to bring this up. Somebody somebody emailed the show um, this week, and let me look it up. There was so Bischoff's show. He did a he did an episode. Uh, I'm looking at the email. It was called The Big Bang, and it was a, it was a what if episode on if Bischoff and I guess his investors would have been able to get. WCW and relaunch it. Remember when all that was going on, Silva? Right, right. And I, I don't know. Johnny Ace was was it was an executive with WCW at the time. Well, that was one of the questions, or I guess yeah. somebody asked, or Conrad asked Bischoff, and Bischoff said he would have Johnny Ace was going to be a part of his plans uh, for the quote unquote WCW relaunch. Should yeah, because John, Johnny Ace was was uh was part of. 
if I'm not mistaken, and it's been 20 years, the, the 20th anniversary just happened. If I'm not mistaken, at the end, Russo was no longer, like the last three months, Russo was no longer booking early 2001. And I believe Johnny Ace might have been the booker. Him and Terry Taylor, were, I think, were in charge of creative when it came to an end. So I'm not sure, but I found it interesting that Eric was so high on Johnny Ace. And he he might he uh, Mike, the reason he was might have been high on Johnny Ace was you know how whenever you take over a company, you have uh you bring in the heads mm-hmm. for a smooth transition. And what um a lot of the talent probably liked Johnny Ace because he was pushing them and it might have been easier for the transition. To just to keep Johnny Ace, probably that's why. But uh, you know Bischoff, the minute he saw the opportunity, Johnny Ace was going to be out of there. Yeah, see, I don't, I didn't listen to it, so I don't know the context of it. But evidently, he yeah. was, he was high. No, I didn't on listen him to and... it either. But I'm thinking, you know how it is. You, you work in corporate America. When a merger happens, or when a cup, or when the bigger company takes over a smaller company, McMahon didn't do it. McMahon just wiped them out. But in usually, they keep the heads of the uh, of the company for a smooth transition, and that's probably because Bischoff is, is 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 was 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 more corporate than McMahon. When the WWF bought uh, WCW, they fired the entire secretarial staff, they got rid of the entire office staff, and um, they gutted the product. Yeah, I mean that was uh, completely. So we'll never know, though. That would have been interesting uh, to find out, but we will never know. As far he, as he wouldn't have lasted, because come on, Johnny Ace, please. <laughs> I don't know. He's lasted nowadays, which is absurd. But uh, we, we because in Japan, Mrs. Baba was transfixed by him, and in the WWE, both Linda and Stephanie are heavily attracted to him. What did Ugh. Stephanie say about uh, uh, uh Johnny Ace? He looks great in a suit. Ugh. She might, she might, she you know, she might be thinking about him when Triple H is putting the salami up. No, oh, <laughs> back to the Midnight oh, Express. Johnny, I mean Hunter, I mean Paul. Oh. Back to the Midnight Express and the dude. So the way this thing ends up is, Corny's going to end up throwing the racket in the ring, and Stan's going to grab it, and Nick Patrick is going to call for the bell because that doesn't work around here, and that's going to be a DQ. The winners by DQ are the dudes. But in the end, the dudes get kind of, uh, you know, blasted with the racket. So there's that. Uh, the center stage crowd actually was behind the dudes during the match. Got to give them credit there. The dudes, as Cornette sold that punch by Johnny Ace right there, excellently. The dudes really, really, really were, were over with the center stage crowd. So we, we beat them up a lot. But I want to give if them credit Cor- if here. Cornette had taken, if Cornette had gone to wrestling school instead of being a photographer and a manager – he would have been a great worker because he could take some bumps. I mean, I mean, no one took a bump as a manager better than Bobby the Brain Heenan, but Cornette had potential because every time you see Cornette take a bump, he goes flying. He would have looked like a buffoon in regular tights, but uh, he, for someone who was, I mean, I think he's even said this, not officially trained, he knew how to yeah. bump, he knew how to throw punches. And he knew how to sell, and that's that's very important. So he could do the no, basic it, stuff it really good. It helps where you where you grow up around Jerry Lawler, Jerry Jarrett, uh, Jackie Fargo. Those guys do punches like like no like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. And so he grew up around them. He 
studied those tapes. That was his type of wrestling. So I'm sure him and that fat piece of shit, Kenny Bolin, used to be out in, in, in the backyard <laughs> practicing those work punches. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you didn't like bowling, but okay. Uh, yeah, fuck him. <laughs> All right, uh, uh, I'm sure I'll oh, get some hate. Wait, that was a great, that was a great racket shot right there. Beautiful. Yeah, that's what I was saying. They 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 really did this good, you know, where Corny throws a racket in, and because the dudes were about to win, but it ended up not being because they've got the racket. Uh, Corny throws a racket in, and anyway, it's a DQ. The the dudes win by DQ. Uh, we get a quick promo from Buzz Sawyer. And it's coming up in a second here. I'll play it. Oh, play it, because Buzz is fabulous in this very short promo. Go ahead. Here it is. Surprise, Flair. What is it, Bigfoot or something? We don't care about surprises. Oh, I care about the Japanese yen. I just want some money. Let me tell you what your surprise should be, Flair. Your surprise should be that you're going to come and lay the belt in the hands of JTEX. Your surprise should be that JTEX is too strong. Your surprise should be that you're retired from wrestling. Whatever kind of surprise you got, I will have JTEX, the international organization, dedicated. That's right. Bring your surprise, Flair. I love surprises. Because remember... Surprises, you're the only dog can fly. Ladies and gentlemen, let's go up to Rhubarb Jones. Buzz was pretty good there. What would you think, Silva? Oh, Buzz was tremendous. Oh, it's all about the Japanese yen. And Gary was tremendous. Ricky Flair. Ricky Flair. What's up, my brother, Ricky Flair? Uh, Lance Peterson uh, posted a a uh, YouTube clip on his Twitter page the other day. Uh, you guys be covering this in 87 where uh, I think Bruiser Brody's under the hood as Red River Jack and there's a brother who's a cameraman right? Or And uh, Gary Hart is interviewing him saying you've got all the great credibility in the world. You're an honest brother. Who is Re- is Bruiser Brody Red River Jack and, 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 the, and the brother goes no. No, no, they're two different people. And Gary Hall, I'm taking back what I said about you. <laughs> and so I posted, damn, Gary Hart can't even can't even convince his brother that Bruiser Brody is Red River. No, his cousin, <laughs> that Red River Jack, is Bruiser Brody. That was a great interview because the guy looked like a young Ozzy Smith. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to get to the Red River Jack days of world class when we're doing that show. The uh, highlights of 1987 world class is Gary Hart promos. Gary Hart on the mic was tremendous. The 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 territory was the shits. I mean, you got Al Madrill every week cutting promos that you have to fight sleep to watch. Uh, anybody out there that has trouble sleeping and has insomnia, watch world class. And when Al Madrill and Brian Adidas start talking. <laughs> You'll have no problem snoring afterwards. But um, Gary Hart was—he was the highlight week in, week out with, with, with him and Al Perez. That was the highlight of, of '87 World Class, and uh, and he cut great promos. And a uh, shout out to Lance for for posting that and to uh the Twitter handle Gary Hart Presents because every other day they are showing Gary Hart clips, great great promos from World Class. Yeah, Gary Hart is something with his word. Some of the stuff he cut in world class, well, not some, but a lot of the stuff he cut in world class was good stuff as far as his promos. Okay, 
Uh, Buzz Sawyer is great there. Gary Hart's great there. We go to the next match, and it is the basically the main event of this week's episode. The Great Muda and the Dragon Master um, with Buzz Sawyer uh, or Buzz and Buzz Sawyer defeat Larry Santo, Tim Hughes, and Mike Hart. I really don't have much from it. There's I don't I didn't feel there's anything there to to report on my end. Uh, Silver, you got I, I don't I don't understand why they just didn't use him as Kendo Nakasaki. I don't. I know mean, either. with the with he he looked. He here he looks like here he looks like uh I don't know what you what he looks like oh man yeah. he just looks like he looks like uh Buddha's father yeah no, with the face paint and and and, and the, the, the and the uh, the costuming it would hide that and he would look he would look more uh devious and 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 uh much more threatening here he. Why is this old man kicking your ass? This frog splash is tremendous right here, Bob. Buzz has been tremendous. Buzz running WCW is tremendous until he breaks his hand and is forced to leave. And then uh, shortly after that is found uh, the victim of a drug overdose. Yeah, Buzz is Buzz's splash is tremendous. Buzz is, is good in this role here. I, I won't disagree. He might be that, a... That power slam is sensational. Yeah, he might be a messed up human being, uh, or was I should oh, say. He was a fucked up human being, but as a worker, he yeah. was tremendous. And Rick Steiner always credits him for helping him as in his start in, in in the wrestling business because Watts was smart. He put Sawyer with Rick Steiner yep. when Steiner first came to the UWF, and Steiner he told Steiner, and Steiner says this in his in the shoot interviews. Watch Buzz, watch how he wrestles. I want that intensity. And combined with Steiner's amateur background, it made him a better worker, a better wrestler. Yeah. Um, and on that note, that is how the show pretty much wraps up. Well, I should say Sullivan and JR do close the show, and JR reminds us next week that there will be a big surprise. So stay tuned for the big surprise. So you know it must be big if JR is harping on it, there being a big surprise coming. So. And that was that. That's how this show uh, wraps up. Now, we're going to rate this thing and hand out some Rolexes and all that stuff like we always do. However, first, I want to remind everyone, please use our Amazon Associates link. It is tinyurl.com slash bttamazon. If you are shopping on Amazon, please use that link. Give that link to the wives, girlfriends, whatever you have in your life, and tell them to use it every time they, they use Amazon. Again, it's tinyurl.com slash btt amazon the show gets a lot of support in return i don't say a lot but a little support in return when you use that link tinyurl.com slash btt amazon thank you very much for using that link and then remember to get access to our pay-per-views our clash of the champions the world class shows the ecw shows or the new nwa power episodes with the jv goon squad go to tinyurl.com slash patreon btt that's tinyurl.com slash patreon btt to access all of our patreon shows over 200 and i say 200 but it's got to be over 300 exclusive patreon episodes up now including the video versions of these you know these these shows we're reviewing are not anywhere or most of them are not on in a consistent place online so you can get the video versions of these, of us reviewing them on our Patreon feed, tinyurl.com slash Patreon BTT. All right, Silva, uh, before we get out of here, you know how we always do it. We we hand out a Rolex. We rate this thing and all that good stuff. I guess I'll throw it to you first. So who are you going to give? Let's go Rolex. Who are you going to give your Rolex to? 
Jim Cornette. Um, the promo wasn't one of his all-time best, but you see that he's uh happy. You see the 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 glows in his eye again. He he he's loving the fact that he's healed and that right hand he landed on on Shane Douglas. That that was as good a right hand as you'll ever see uh worked in a wrestling match. So uh, Corny gets my Rolex because his promo, his new enthusiasm, and that right hand end, he bumped like he bumped like Mister Perfect throughout that match against uh the Dynamic Dudes. Oh, he he! I'm I'm with you, Silva. I'm giving mine to, to Cornette too. Like, look at that bump on the ring apron. Yep. When Johnny Ace hits him right there, yep. if you're watching on our video version, um, Cornette, you can't overstate how great his selling was in this match when he gets hit. Uh, so I'm giving mine to Cornette too, not necessarily for the promo, but for for the selling, the punch. It, it was tremendous. It was really good stuff. So Corny's gonna get my uh, my Rolex too. All right, Silva. So. What are you going to rate this thing? I, I know you've done a few of these with us, and I can't remember how you've rated them in the past, but what are you going to rate this thing? I'm going to give it a B plus. It was an hour. Uh, while the dude and the dude's midnights was an excellent match. Um, that That's it. Uh, promos were lacking, but it was an hour. It was a great, great watch. Quick. And Kevin Sullivan and Jim Ross put over the angles, and Kevin Sullivan was tremendous. He was going to get my Rolex until the Dynamic Dudes Midnight Express match and that work punch and the bumps that Jim Cornette took. So uh, B-plus for an excellent episode that went by real quick and set things up for Starcade. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with a... I'm going to go with a B-plus as well. I was torn between a B-plus and an A-minus. I'm going to go with a B-plus as well. Uh, I for, for many of the same reasons you gave. Cornette was great uh, as far as the selling like we already talked about. Flair's promo wasn't bad. Yes. You know, an, an underrated aspect of this show is, you know, the they don't really beat it to death. So it's kind of good in that way. But Flair promising a surprise and, and JR at the very end mentioning a surprise as well. They don't beat it over our heads, though. So, you know, it's kind of it ends up being a tr- f- tremendous surprise for the fact that it's not really beat it beat into our heads. I will say this. They didn't hype it up to the point where it was a disappointment at all. And it wouldn't oh, have yeah. been a disappointment oh, yeah. Yeah, even yeah, if like, they hyped. Oh, it. we're going to have a game changing uh, debut next week. It's going to ch- uh, he's Hall of Fame worthy. Yeah, they Jabba, they didn't hype a Jabba it. To the, a Jabba to the stars, right? Yeah. But they didn't. They did not hype. I hey, look. In hindsight, it's easy for us to say this. The returning person, the, the surprise next week, is as good as it gets for for this era of wrestling. And they certainly did not overhype it. You got two it's, mentions. You got Flair said the, it. It's on the same level as when Hall and Nash showed up on Nitro. He's it's on that same level. Wow, that's the type of debut you're going to get next week. Now, it they didn't like I said. Flair only said one time. I got a surprise next week, right. and Jr. at the very end said he's got a surprise. Right. So they definitely didn't overhype it, and it ends up it ends up being a, oh, a and, really and, really and good and surprise. Buzz, and Buzz was like, "Oh, who's your surprise? Oh, God, Bigfoot." <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true too. Buzz mentions it because he. He doesn't even think anything of it. So I'm not saying that the surprise couldn't have been better because there's an aspect of there's a certain somebody that 
you 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 guys will touch up on why the surprise could have been even greater. Yeah, it could have been. It really could have been. But it but it ends up being what it is. So that's that. All right. Um on that note, before we get out of here again, like I said, become a patron, tinyurl.com slash patreonbtt. Great way to support this show without spending, um, uh, or, or or great way to support this show by spending a little bit, but you get a lot in return, Or and use our Amazon referral, uh, Amazon Associates link, tinyurl.com slash Amazon. A couple of quick things before we get out of here. Shout out to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast with Joe Murata and Michael Quinn, the northern version of BTT. Slightly classier, a little bit more professional, but still fun nonetheless. They support us. So please support them. Give them a listen. And then check out Mike Pru and JV on the Bottom Line cast. They do our ECW show uh, on our Patreon feed, but they also do a show on the career of Stone Cold Steve Austin. All right, Silva, we are um, almost 90 minutes into this thing. What you got before we get out of here? All right. Um, I, I do two boxing podcasts. I'm going to do a quick plug in them. Um, you go iTunes on iTunes. It's available Um Apple podcast on iTunes, uh, world championship boxing. I've been doing that podcast for 10 years. Um, there I give a comprehensive look at the history of professional boxing. I have a series on there with the 50 greatest fights of, in boxing history. And I have a series on there with the greatest performances in boxing history, where I take a boxer and I break down the three, the three greatest performances of his career. Um, and, championship rounds podcast which is a three-part type podcast where we we review the the previous month's fights we give a uh, we give a preview of the upcoming big fights and then we take a controversial great fat fight from the past and the three of us rescore it and from our opinion was it a robbery or not that's championship rounds podcast also available on apple Podcasts. There you go. Check it out. Um, where where can they find you on uh, Twitter? My Twitter handle is Robert Silva S I L V A five seven six eight. And Silva is not on Facebook, in case anybody's wondering. Uh, so he will he does not see our Facebook shenanigans, nor do I, because I kind of I'm all Facebooked out. But um, so there you go. Check out Silva. Follow him on Twitter. And then one other mention, we've been mentioning it over the last few weeks, you know, Harper's got his new video shout out service where, you know, he can either give you a shout out or someone, you know, a shout out, or he can give you life advice or relationship advice or someone, you know, life advice and relationship advice. Uh, if you like a shout out from Harper, you got to email him, Chris Harper, 16 wildcat at gmail.com. Check out the show description. His email address is there. Again, it's Chris Harper, 16 wildcat at gmail.com. That's wildcat with a K. And then you'll have to PayPal him 20 bucks to CC30388. Those are eights, not the letter A. CC at yahoo.com. Again, that's CC30388CC at yahoo.com. Send that uh, to Harper's PayPal. He'll get you hooked up with a video shout out and whatnot. And if you missed any of his email or PayPal address, look it up in the show description. It'll be there for you to easily access. Uh, I think that's going to wrap things up, Silva. I don't have anything else, man. Uh, I should throw it at you just one more time. Make sure you ain't got nothing, and uh, we can get on out of here. We good. Uh, thanks uh, Thanks for asking me at the last minute to come on in. I had had a ball doing this, and, um, man, Kevin Sullivan. For those out there that want to hear more Kevin Sullivan, check out the 605 podcast. It's at the very beginning. You can cut it off afterwards. Kevin talking about baseball and today's wrestling. I could listen to Kevin talk all day. He's tremendous. And I know you've tried 
I hope one day you guys could get him on your podcast because he, he he's a wealth of knowledge that needs to be tapped in. He is a hard person to land. Um, right. I know Brian's had him on a few times on those 605 shows. Um, I know he does his own show now, so that makes it even harder because he's you. already got he's you. already doing a you know a weekly or however often he does it. I'm not really one of them. He's done he's done several different podcasts over the years. He used to have one with a what was it ML on MLW. Yeah. That, that's yeah. where you get the uh, the drop. It ain't rocket science. <laughs> yeah, that's where I got the. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I used to have people that ask me. They would be like. Where do you get that Sullivan? Where this is it? They were like, "Where do you get this from?" It ain't that fucking hard, guys. We ain't building a rocket. We're getting guys over in a fake fucking business. Um, yeah, that's the that's the podcast he used to do on MLW Radio. That's yeah. the podcast he used to do on, on MLW Radio. Um, uh, and and he was that rant is he was on a rant about how they just were fucking up the Roman Reigns. You know stuff. I guess it was probably shit five six years ago. Sa- now. He said the same thing on the six hundred five, the one that just came out, where they they were shoving Roman Reigns down down their throat as a face, and only Mick Foley in the history of professional wrestling drew money wearing a shirt. And he and in that rant you're talking about on MLW Radio, he's like Roman Reigns is built like a Greek god. Why is he wearing a shirt? And yeah. now he took the shirt off. He's a heel. Paulie's managing him, and he's the best thing on wrestling right now in in professional wrestling now. Period. I've always been a fan of Roman Reigns. I used to take heat in the early years of this show. No, he's, tre- how he's tremendous. He's tremendous. He he is a star. He is phenomenal. He's got a lot of talent. Anybody who doesn't agree, I I, I guess we'll agree to disagree. I'm not judging and you. I just think he let me. He is going to be a huge Hollywood star in a couple of years. Also. Well, he let me tell you the moment I knew he was a star. He was working that match at Fastlane, I think it was 2015, against Daniel Bryan. And I believe it was 2015 Fastlane, not not this year, even though this this year's was fine. Um, I would say if you got the network, but we know what's going on with that. But right. <laughs> um, go back, if you can find Fastlane 2015 with Reigns and Daniel Bryan and what was on the line, uh, it was a, it was it was for the uh, whoever was going to get a shot for the right, title right, at right, that WrestleMania. Right. Go back and watch those two, and that is the moment when I knew people who criticize Roman just don't realize how talented he is because he got in there with Daniel Bryan and he went toe to toe and they had a tremendous match. And the last thing I'll say about that match is, I know there are people in this world who can have a good match with a broomstick. But so Daniel and Daniel Bryan is one of those people that can just make anybody look great. The thing is, he wasn't making Roman look great. They were making each other look great in that match. And that's what I love. And I, I, for people who doubt his abilities and like, Oh no, he's just, I think people got caught up in the fact that, you know, he was perceived as Vince's boy and he Vince is pushing him. Thus, it makes us want to hate him and not us, but fans. And I think people got caught up in that and didn't realize they were looking at just a tremendously talented guy. And Roman is talented. He's 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 a great pro wrestler. And I know that's not a popular thing to say. He's a better heel than he is a face. And I think it's a shame it took a pandemic for them to finally turn him heel because that's the sad part. You know, they turned it. They turned him a heel. 
<laughs> when the pandemic hit, I think it was. But he they, is a they, tremendous they, talent. They took the shirt off. They made him a heel. And they're in negotiations with The Rock to try to, next year, put Roman Reigns over. And I would love that because I could see Rock one last time, cut promos and stuff. So let, let, let's hope that happens. Let's hope that happens. That will do mega business. Yeah, we'll see. We will, we'll see what happens. But uh, on that note, I appreciate everybody listening this week. Thank you for all your support on Patreon if you're a Patreon supporter. And if you're not one, consider becoming one. We won't disappoint you. Plenty of goodies there, extra shows there as well on that feed. So Harper's not here and Doc's not here. I guess I'll leave it to my man Iceman Silva to hit the tagline so we can get out of here. Book it, bitches. All right, everybody. Welcome to a Patreon special, a Patreon spotlight. I've got longtime Patreon member Jeff Jewett on. Mr. Doo-Doo Trucking. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, hello. Hey, Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for being a supporter of BTT. It's been, you've been a supporter of ours for a number of years now. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, how you doing? No, thank you. Hey, I'm doing well. Doing well. Hope you're doing well. Uh, yeah, I've been a fan for a long time, and uh, it's an honor to uh, to be here and put your uh, interview skills uh, to the test to see if you can actually make me interesting. That's going to be <laughs> the the challenge. How good is Mike Mills? That's what we're going to find out. Uh, I don't think I'm a great interviewer. Oftentimes, it's the person <laughs> I'm talking to. Uh, but you know, well, I'm not a great know. interviewee either. So this is going to be quite a mess. <laughs> This is going to be a much, <laughs> I love my show. Uh, so Jeff, I got to ask you, um, I, I remember you found the show because I remember we first started interacting on social media. It feels like it's like three years ago now. Like uh, I know it wasn't when the show started in 2015. So it feels like it's about three, maybe four. I don't know. Um, how'd you find BTT? I'm always curious to ask people that. How'd you find the show? Well, uh, yeah, I was trying to figure out today, like how long ago it was. And it does seem like it's been forever. Um, but it maybe it's only been three or four years. Um, BTT actually kind of found me in a way. Um, I had put a, a picture out um, on Twitter or Facebook or wherever of uh, my Mid-South uh, belt collection, Mid-South UWF belt collection. And uh, then all of a sudden, uh, one day I just got a message from a friend like, hey, look at this. It was a uh, booking the territory had a little thing out on, on Twitter, like saying, you know, like, Hey, look at these classic belts. This is really cool. And, uh, I thought, well, yeah, Hey, that's pretty cool. And then I realized that, uh, kind of this group of, uh, belt collecting friends of mine, they're like, well, no, you should have gotten photo credit for that. What the hell? Like they could have mentioned your name. And I'm like, Oh, I don't know. It doesn't bother me. I, like, I don't know. But then I was kind of like, Oh, you know, I'm going to, give these guys a hard time i don't know who they are that's kind of when i was like oh hey thanks for the photo credit and then uh i think we started dming you're like yeah i, oh, I didn't know whose the picture was i found it and i then i uh i think i kind of uh played along for a little bit and then i was uh then i was like no i'm just i'm just kidding you know i'm, I'm actually happy the picture is making the rounds and uh, i was excited you guys saw it and liked it and uh then i saw i told you yeah i'm gonna check out your show and uh yeah, I started listening. I bet I've been a listener ever since. Uh, I listened to uh, always the uh, the six oh five Saturday shows. I always listen to those. Uh, the uh, Smoky Mountain. I've, I've listened to most of those. Uh, I try to uh, 
try to listen to the world class, but I've, I've got a got a lot of catching up to do with those. It's just <laughs> there's so many, so many shows. Yeah, and only only so many hours in a day too. So it's like yeah, I, I that's know right. What you mean. Yeah, I think now that you say that I remember that. <laughs> I, remember, I, I was gonna say I think now that you say that I remember uh, sharing a picture, and I think I remember that now that you're mentioning it to me. Like that's now, yeah. now it's, now it's clicking in my head. Yeah. And now, honestly, when I see your, uh, you know, I think I've, I've, I tweet this, I've, I haven't done this in a while, but when I see like the pictures you share, like you'll share like different moments, you know, from your figurines or your belts and stuff. Whenever I see mm-hmm. you tweet that stuff out, I'll like retweet it. Cause I say this all the time. I've told Jeff this via DM uh, a number of times, his collection, like anybody out there who's never seen it, um, go to his Twitter. What's your Twitter, Jeff? It's Jeff Jewett. Okay. Uh, at Jeff Jewett. That's it. Yeah. Jeff's like Jeff's collection is first off, my wife would never let me have that. Uh, <laughs> so you're, you're the man. No, I'm kidding when I say that, but Jeff's like collection, whether it be figures, whether it be memorabilia, whether it be belts, like Jeff could open a museum. He's got so much like cool, cool stuff. Like I'm amazed. I remember you at one point you sent me like a picture of like a, a whole wall of stuff. And it's just like, showing it to my wife and I can't remember her exact words. I'm like, look, look at this. And she's like, yeah, yeah, that'll never fly in this house. This is going to one of those days. She well, kind of laughs it off, but it's so cool. Like your collection, but you could see, you post a lot of that stuff on Twitter. That's why I was mentioning that. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, but there's also a reason why, why it's all in the basement. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's all relegated to the basement. Um, matter of fact, it's kind of weird. Like I haven't had my furnace cleaned in like, uh, three years. Cause I'm like, I used to be able to tarp it off to hide it, you know? And now I'm like, I've got so much crap down there. I don't know how I'm going <laughs> to block it off. And I'm, I'm, I'm embarrassed to have the furnace man go down there. He's going to be like, what, what the hell is this guy up to? You know? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it, it's funny. I, I actually, I, I jokingly blame my wife for, uh, for that collection down there. Uh, because, um, I had been belt collecting for, for years. Um, but I mostly just had them piled up in a closet. Like I, I didn't have anything to really do with them. I pull one out once in a while and look at it. You know, I never, uh, was never one to go to an event and throw it over my shoulder and walk around like I'm, you know, the champ or anything. <laughs> um, I, uh, uh, then, uh, when we built the house, I set up a little gym down in the basement. Then, uh, uh, when I went to my first WrestleMania, my wife is kind of as a gag gift, bought me a scale size WWE ring and a couple figures. And at the time I'm kind of thinking, well, I, okay, this is kind of funny, but now what the heck am I going to do with this thing? It's 22 inches by 22 inches. And, um, and I started thinking, well, I could set some stuff up in the basement, you know, to, you know, some belts and stuff. I'm going to be down there working out, you know, I can, uh, it'd be cool to have this stuff. So, then I thought, oh, you know, I've got these belts. Uh, it'd be cool to have a figure that went with the belt. Uh, you know, one of the guys yeah. who held. Then I started buying more figures, and then I was like, oh, I, ha- I have these belts. But if I had this belt, I could complete the collection. You know, and then I started buying more belts, and then uh, then I kind of got into the memorabilia, and the, uh, then I got some access to some ring use stuff, and it's just uh, it's like a vicious cycle. You know, it just sucked me in. I'm, yeah. I'm I'm ready for an episode of my strange addiction. I think I don't <laughs> yeah. know if that show's still on or not, but 
Dude, you you have you have some stuff, man. Like I said, I've showed it to my wife, and I'm like, look at look at all these look at all those memorabilia. And dude, she don't. She's not. I mean, she's from Dallas and doesn't even know who the Von Erichs are. So that tells you oh, her man. level. <laughs> that tells you her level of like wrestling knowledge. I mean, her she knows who like you know mainstream guys are now, like The Rock and stuff. She can tell you who that is, but uh, beyond that, I mean she don't know nothing she knows who sasha banks is because i talk about her a lot but hey whatever you know <laughs> so anyway like um or i used to talk about her a lot but yeah man it's kind of one of those things your collection is like second to none so it's it's amazing I, I it's ringing a bell now that you're bringing it up and yeah i had no intent to like um you know uh steal picks i just was like this is pretty cool the mid-south belts because i think you had the like the the new universal title, the TV title, like you had those, those belts and they were like, just really cool. And that's when I was first getting into Twitter. I'm going to say first getting into Twitter, but that's when I was on Twitter and starting to notice those things for the first time. Cause my first few years on Twitter, I didn't, I didn't even pay attention to like wrestling stuff. I mean, it just wasn't a thing for me. Um, I was just on there and that was it. I'd follow like my sports teams and whatnot, but you've got all kind of cool stuff. And now it's ringing a bell. Yeah. I, I had no intent on saying anything like that. <laughs> I, I think I remembered us going back and forth. Now that you're saying that. So thank Thank you for being a good sport man i appreciate that because yeah. you know yeah, twitter me, it was all in fun like yeah there were some guys who thought i should uh legit be hot about it and i'm like well, big i put the picture out there you know <laughs> you know big deal um yeah. but then i was like i'll have a little fun with this guy and then uh who know who would would have guessed that like what, three or four years later i'm here doing this and then i reached the point where i'm like hey i like these guys i'm gonna start sending them money every month and then after a while you're like hey come on the show for a little bit <laughs> and yeah. uh, you know yeah. who knew that just that one little thing would lead to that but i mean i know i've gotten hours of enjoyment countless hours of enjoyment from the show um you know like at first uh what i liked was the when you guys would play the interviews um you know i just you know I, I, a lot of times i'd get home and uh re-watch whatever episode that you guys talked about yeah like oh i want to actually see it you know um, so I would do that quite a bit and, uh, yeah, then it's like, after a while, I kind of fell in love with the, the chemistry of the show. Um, you know, and uh, hard body Harper, he's just like a, a natural character, like a real oh, life living yes. character, <laughs> and, yes. uh, you know, and, <laughs> and I, I laugh every time he'll say some of the most vulgar stuff or whatever. Oh. And then Doc will say something slightly vulgar and, uh, you know, and, and Harper's like, come on, Mike. Yeah. You know, get, get come on, Mike. Jesus. Get him under control. Like it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. It's, no, it's, it's you know, true. I, he does do that. I do have a little heat with you on one thing. Uh-oh, please share. Please it's tell me. Your, uh, it's your heat with Tommy Rich. Uh, man, I don't know. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, I get it. I'll take My brother would have heat with you over it. Like, he's my, my brother's all-time favorite wrestler. Because uh, we we got TBS. Uh, of course, I uh, for those who don't know, I'm from uh, northern Vermont. I'm about two miles from the Canadian border, if you can't tell by the accent. Uh but we got TBS up here and uh, I think maybe 82 or 83. And, you know, at that time, Tommy Rich was tearing up Georgia. And yeah. my brother to this day, I've never seen him uh, mark out around any wrestlers at all. 
until um, you know he met Tommy Rich and he uh, even he's like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna buy one of his shirts. You know, he went and bought, and bought a shirt and everything. Hmm. Um, so, uh, which he's not one to ever buy wrestling shirts, but it was just kind of funny to see that. But uh, no, I'm just giving you a hard time about it. 